As you return, grab out your Bibles. Hopefully there's a few people at least who are a little happier than when they came in. And uh, if not, here's a few little humorous quotes about the new year. If they're not funny, you can talk to the, uh, the sound guy. He's got them in there. <laughs> Is this one relevant to anyone? I can't believe it's a year since I didn't become a better person. <laughs> what else have we got there? My New Year's resolution is to stop lying to myself about making lifestyle changes. I think there's, is there one more, a couple more, one more? I like this perspective, this is good. Well, it seems your weight is perfect, you just happen to be 11 feet too short. <laughs> See, it's all about perspective, isn't it? Perspective, I think that, is that all? That is. And I know we have at times somewhat of a love hate relationship with the new year. How many people love New Year's? It's new, it's shiny, it's new. New's got to be better than the old. How many people struggle with the new year? We want the old one back. We've got one, not many. We're all, we all love the new. Well, that's fantastic. But certainly when it comes to New Year's resolution, there is a tension, isn't there? There's a tension. We want to get things going in the right direction. We want to resolve to fix certain things that need to be fixed or unfix certain things that need to, need to be unfixed. And so we resolve ourselves towards doing something. And whilst perhaps there's not really a biblical support for New Year's resolutions, there certainly is for taking stock of times and seasons. It says in the book of Genesis where the Lord is creating the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1, and, and the Lord himself proclaims there be lights in the heavens to separate the day from night, and this is his proclamation, and let them be for signs and seasons and days and years. And so I always think there is a value as we approach a new year in not necessarily making resolutions within ourselves, but in seeking the Lord, saying, God, what is it? that we are to be pressing in for this year? What are the things that we should be prioritizing? What are the things that we should be seeking? What are the times and seasons? Acknowledging, of course, that it's a new day on the calendar and that doesn't mean that all of a sudden it's a completely new season. How many of us have enjoyed some hotter weather this week? How many of us have endured some hotter weather? It's a little cooler today, but we're still in the midst of summer. So it's a new year, but we can still be in the midst of a season, and yet there are things, I believe, that God has for us for this year. So I want you to turn to a passage of Scripture, and we're going to read what is, I presume, a very well-known Scripture to most of us. Ezekiel 37 is where we're going to turn. And I, as I'm sure many of you have been doing also, have been seeking the Lord, just trying to posture myself intentionally as a new year begins. God, what, what is it? And personally, I love New Year's. I love an opportunity to take stock. And last Sunday, we really spent some time stock-taking, looking back. What are the things that perhaps we need to rectify? What are the things that we want to change? 
And this is a moment, hopefully, for us to look forward. But I would say this as a disclaimer. I think so often as we approach God's word, as we particularly seek his prophetic direction, and I believe that there is a God who speaks to us, it's both our invitation and our priority. He's the shepherd, we're the sheep. And we need to know what it is that the shepherd is saying. Otherwise, we're going to end up who knows where. But so much of what the Lord gives to us is an invitation. And it's for us to grab a hold of. I mean, the shepherd can speak. And uh, we've had some sheep for a period at our property. And I can tell you from this perspective, not that I claim to be the world's best shepherd, but I can tell the sheep certain things. I can give them instructions, even at times instructions that are for their good. And I can have them completely disregard what I say and continue to walk off their own stubborn direction. It's the nature of sheep. So God gives us some invitations. So I would like to frame this as perhaps some things that I believe that God is inviting us into. But there is a responsibility for us to grab a hold. And I pray that you too, as you approach this new year, have time to reflect and seek the Lord and say, God, what what is it that you're inviting me into in this new year, in this season? What are the things that I can grab a hold of? And so it might be as we go through this particular passage of Scripture, the few things that the Lord has put on my heart to bring before us as we begin a new year, there might be one, there might be a few, there might even be something that I don't say that the Lord himself speaks to your heart about. I'm always encouraged, never discouraged, when someone comes up to me after a message and they say, oh, I love the point that you made about so-and-so. And I think, well, that wasn't a point that I made at all. Not sure what sermon you were listening to, but praise God that he was speaking. So I don't mind if he speaks through me or in spite of me, but my encouragement to us is let's have listening ears as we approach this new year, and let's pray before we do anything else. So, Father, I thank you that you are always speaking. Thank you that you are always at work. And I pray even this morning that you begin to stir our hearts. Father, that where there's hardness, where there's stuff still hanging around, we just want to give you permission to to till the soil. May we be people who reap a harvest for your glory. But I thank you that there is power in your word. But we recognize our responsibility to grab a hold of what you're saying. Cause it to go deep, even this morning, Lord. And cause it to bring great glory and honor to your name. Help us, Holy Spirit. We incline our ears, we incline our hearts to you. Speak to us. We lay aside our agendas with one desire, to sit at your feet and to hear your voice this coming year. We need you, the good shepherd, to lead us. We need your wisdom. We need your guidance. And so we look to you this day. And we pray in your name. Amen. So here's what I want to do. I want to read this passage of Scripture. And it's quite a long vision or encounter that the prophet Ezekiel has. And then I want to come back and just share some insights that hopefully will encourage, inspire, and offer us a little direction this year. So let's read together. If you've got your Bible, hopefully this will also be on these screens. But Ezekiel 37 verse 1. 
He says this, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Who knows? That's a good answer right there. And he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. Verse 7, so I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked and behold, there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them and they lived and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. And we don't need to guess what this particular prophetic word entailed because we have here the explanation in verse 11. And God said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, our hope is lost, and we are cut off. Therefore prophesy to them and say, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will open your graves, raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from my graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live and I will place you in your own land, then you shall know that I am the Lord, I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. This prophetic encounter, and then the reality of a God who was faithful. Is Israel in the land? Yes. God is faithful to fulfill all that he has prophesied. How many of us have never heard that passage? Is there anyone who's never heard that passage? There's a couple. Okay. Well, I'll explain it a little bit as we go through. But for most of us, this is familiar territory. And yet, as I seek the Lord for a new year, I always ask God to give me a scripture. I need something. I need a, 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 a code hack, a code hack, a coat rack to place what he's saying upon. I need a picture, a prophetic picture to remind me of that which God has said and what he has promised that he will do. And here's the first thing that I believe that God is encouraging us in this year, and it has to do with the context. We read here, Ezekiel describes, he says, that the Lord was on me and he brought me out in the spirit. Now, I'd love to know what that looked like. Was this a vision? Was he seeing this? Was he physically there? It certainly sounds as if he is witnessing something pretty vivid. He was perhaps there in the spirit. We don't know. But what is clear is that he was in a valley of dry bones. He says, the Lord led me around them. So you get this picture. God is making sure he's very aware. And he says, not only was there bones, he says, these were dry bones. These were bones that long since had lost any sense of life. Long since had lost any sense of life. 
of hope. This is not a recent battlefield. And I think this is a fascinating location for Ezekiel to find himself. You see, this wasn't a picture, was it, of you know, God saying, well, let me lead you into a garden that's in need of a little water. Let me lead you in a picture that you know, maybe there's just a glimmer of hope there somewhere, something that I can hang on to. This is, I'm sure you would agree, perhaps the most hopeless situation, the most void of life, void of anything at all to grab onto. And that's the picture that God takes him to. Hope wasn't even a distant memory. Life was gone. All we had was bones and dry bones. And yet, as we read on, this is the very place that God takes Ezekiel to. Why? Why does he take him to such a barren wasteland? Not just bones, dry bones. Well, as, of course, we're looking back with hindsight, so we know exactly the story that will unfold. But God takes him to that place for one purpose, because he says, in this place of impossibility, impossibilities are going to become possible. This is the very place here where there is no sense of life, where the dead are going to be raised to life again. You see, God is making a point. He's taking him around. He's, he's saying to Ezekiel, I want to make one thing very, very clear. Nothing is too hard for me. Nothing is too hard for me. And I want to give us that encouragement as we approach a new year. It doesn't matter what context you're in. It doesn't matter what is before your eyes as you begin this new year or anything that will unfold this particular year. Nothing is too hard for him. The other passage that's been resonating in me is the words of God to Abraham as he calls him to be a father of many nations. And he laughs. He says, God, are you serious? Have you seen me? I'm a little old and my wife, she's even older than me. How is That's exactly what it says, by the way. He says, how is this going to happen? She is long past her child-rearing ages. And God speaks to him this wonderful phrase. says, Abraham, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And so I want to encourage us as we begin this year, and I'm not saying that I have... Uh, a great clarity as to everything that will unfold this year. I'm certainly not saying that I understand exactly where each of you are at this particular point as you begin this year. But there's a reality that I want us to hold on to. And I want us to, to not just use it as a glib expression, but to grab a hold of it, to get a hold of it in our hearts. And perhaps there's, there's moments where you find or come across someone who's a little discouraged. Just give them that phrase. Yeah, but hang on, Martin. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is, I mean, is anything too hard for the Lord? This is the God who spoke into existence, the heavens and the earth. This is the God who parted the Red Sea. This is the God who walked on water. He called to dead men and they rose again. Is anything too hard, is, is anything too hard for the Lord? Just, just humor me for a moment. Find someone and ask them that question just now. Is anything too hard? 
Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? You see, God is making a point, and this is the point that has continued to resonate in my heart as I've begun this year. Yeah, but Andrew, is anything too hard for the Lord? Like, is anything really too hard for me? Is anything too hard for me? And I want to give us this encouragement. You see, in this picture that we've just seen that Ezekiel has described that the Lord in detail has walked him through, these bones represented not just physical death. Yes, it was a valley of people who'd physically died. But it was a picture of a nation's sin and struggle of spiritual death. Disappointment, emptiness, all the hopes and plans and everything. It was all gone. And in fact, not only had it all gone, but if you read the lead up to this particular event, the nation Israel, who intentionally had walked away from God, they even began blaming God. I won't ask for a show of hands of how many of us have been in that place, bearing the brunt of our own mistakes, our own sin, our own stuff, and yet somehow it's God's fault. Yeah, but God, you're the one who put me here. You're the one who gave me those desires. You're, you're the one who made me do this. And yet, even in that place of physical death, of spiritual death, whether like Ezekiel, we're looking at the valley of dry bones, whether it's stuff going on around us, whether it's the evening news, whether it's all the stuff of our own lives and hearts. I want to give us this encouragement. Is anything too hard for the Lord? You see, if he can do his greatest work in the midst of a graveyard, then he too can do his great work in your life and in my life. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter what place you're in. It doesn't matter what you're facing. Hang on to that reality as we begin a new year. Is anything too hard for God? I've discovered the greatest breakthroughs always come through the greatest struggles. It's, it's not much of a Hollywood plot, is it, to see an army of a thousand people or a hundred thousand people take on an army of a hundred people. We crushed them. I mean, it doesn't make a great movie, does it? That's a bit disappointing and discouraging. The great movies are when there's a group of a hundred people who won't back down and they fight off the enemy hordes and against the odds, this incredible victory. Because true victory always comes through battle. True triumph always comes in the midst of struggle. And I, I, I want to give us that encouragement both to ignite our hope and our faith as we begin a year, but also to say that the thing that God has been continually stirring my heart in is to believe Him for things that are impossible. And I want to proclaim it. I want to put it out there so that if this resonates, you can join me in grabbing a hold of pressing in this year to see things that are impossible become possible. To see breakthrough for people who've had long-term illness. That in the natural, there is no hope. There's 
a whole valley of dry bones. Circumstances, situations, and I have a sense that, and this is what I'm praying into, is what I'm believing for this year, that there will be things that perhaps people have even forgotten. Like it's, it's you know, hope, hope is so far gone. It's not even something I'm praying for now. It was something left dead and buried years ago. And that as we grab a hold of the reality of the God that we worship, that we'll see the valley of dry bones become a body and the body become a mighty army for the glory of the Lord. So that's our first encouragement is let's have that hope resonating in our hearts. Let's encourage one another. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything? Is anything too hard for the Lord? The second thing is this. This is a year where we need to lift our vision. We need to lift our perspective. As we read on in this story, first of all, it says the Lord leads him around. And all he can see is dry bones. There's a valley, Lord, of dry bones. And God asks him this question in verse 3. He said to me, son of man, can these bones live? Now, that's a fascinating question, isn't it? And just put yourself in the shoes of Ezekiel for a moment, because we have the benefit of hindsight. We've read the story. But what do you answer the Lord in those moments? Can these bones live? Well, let's be honest. In the natural, no. In the natural, there is no hope for a valley of bones. The bones aren't even connected. They're separated. They're dry. They're gone. They're forgotten about. And yet he also doesn't respond in great faith, does he? He doesn't say, well, of course, absolutely. Of of course. He sort of takes the middle, the polite middle ground, doesn't he? He says, well, God, you know. You know, Lord. You know. I mean, you know, don't you? You know. See, it's this cautious response as he sort of probes for God. What, what are you actually asking? You see, here is what I think God was asking Ezekiel. And this is the question that I want to ask us, the second question. You see, he wasn't asking in the natural. He wasn't asking. He, he was trying to ascertain and bringing Ezekiel through this situation. I, I, I'm well aware that you know, you, you've described the Valley of Dry, but you, you know what's in front of you. But here's the questions. Do you have eyes to see what I'm doing? Do you have eyes to see, to look beyond that which is in front of you? To look beyond that which is impossible. Do you have eyes to see what the Lord is doing? And I know I've talked a lot um, either last Sunday, might have been Christmas a few Sundays ago. I've talked a lot about this need for us to have vision. The need for us to have correct perspective. And partly that's just because that's what the Lord is continually challenging me on. I think probably the thing, because from time to time people ask me, Andrew, what would you like prayer for? And the past year I found myself saying, I need vision. I need God's perspective. Because if I'm perfectly honest, I find it so easy to get caught up in the things that I can see around me. And not just in my own life, in the state of the world. Like, God, can you see what's going on? There's wars and rumors of wars, there's famines, there's disease, there's 
corruption, there's iniquity, there's sinful hearts that are just going. God, can you, can you see? He says, yeah, I can see. I can see. See, the problem is that when my perspective is all there, I start praying out my problems rather than ever entering into his purpose and his promise. So easy for my perspective to be consumed by all of that stuff. And you see, it's not about denying that. I'm not saying that you know, we need to come before the Lord and just live in denial of anything that is going on around us. What I am saying, and this is what I believe that God was pointing Ezekiel to, he's saying, you're seeing the dry bones. You've described them. Well done. There's just one thing that you're forgetting. There's one missing piece of the puzzle. Because it's not just what's in front of you. It's who's with you. It's who's behind you. It's who's leading away. It's the power of the eternal God. And so here's the second thing that I want to encourage us with. And I've said we've got to have eyes to see what God is doing. But I want to encourage each and every one of us here this morning that you're not alone. And I don't know whether that's a word for one of us or whether that's a word for many of us here, but I believe there's, there's times, and I know this in my own life, one of the enemy's greatest strategies is to isolate ourselves. We feel like we're all alone. I feel like that. I'm like, God, look at me. I'm up the front. I'm all alone. There's nobody else here. There's no one who cares about me. We all have moments where we feel alone. And I want to give you this encouragement. The greater is he who is with you than anything in the world. You have the arms of a loving heavenly father embracing you. You have the hosts of heaven, the saints of the angels who are cheering you on this very moment. They're saying, come on, vision. This is the year. We're going to cheer you on. You are surrounded by family and friends who care about you and who love you. It's one of the great privileges of being a church. And if this isn't your church and you're visiting God, bless you. But find a church where you can connect and bless and and be a part of. We do not walk this life alone. God, give us eyes to see we need correct perspective. Not just caught up in that. Not caught up in this is, I'm here by myself. Caught up in the reality of who he is. His love for us. Journeying together as family. So here's the third thing. So we've had these these first two realities and the second two will be quicker, I promise. He's taken him through the valley of dry bones. He has lifted up his eyes. What is it that you see, Ezekiel? And then he calls him to step out. He says, all right, can these bones live? Well, you know God. Okay, says God, will prophesy over these bones. This is one of those moments I'd love just a little snapshot. What was Ezekiel thinking? Because I don't know that he was expecting that. Like, God, are you serious? You want me to preach to the bones? I mean, I preach sometimes and I know that it feels a little bit like there's some dry bones. But really? This is the extreme. Preach to the valley 
of dry bones. You see, preaching seems like an unlikely cure for death. It's not the logical connection. But God wasn't calling Ezekiel to understand. He was commanding Ezekiel to obey, to step out and to trust him. You see, one thing that I believe that holds us back so often in our walk with the Lord is fear. And I was thinking about this recently. We, the end of last year, we were at stage 88 for the carols event they hold there. And I've got four girls who love to climb up trees, which is something I've always encouraged. If there's a tree there, they're up there. And, and so some of the older girls are up high. And as they used to do, they said, Dad, can you catch us? The problem is they're kind of getting to that stage where I have to say to the older ones, look, as long as you're prepared to pray for resurrection, because I'm not sure how this is going to go. I mean, you're a lot bigger than you used to be. And so one of my girls in particular, she was quite upset. She said, yeah, but Dad, I just I remember growing up all the time and we'd just throw ourselves to you. We'd jump off sand dunes. We'd jump. It was just it was my favorite thing to do, which it was for her. And you'd see her come alive. And uh, in fact, it was there was a point there where we had to sort of give it a few little parameters. There's one instance where her poppy took her to the park and uh, we saw him after they just walked down to the park. He was white as a ghost. He came back shaking. I said, are you okay? He said, well, we were just in the park. I was looking after your other children and I turned around. I saw out of the corner of my eye there was this child flying through the air. She hadn't waited until I was ready. She just launched herself off this 10-foot platform and it was all I could do to just... Is that accurate? <laughs> Close enough, he said. Close enough. But there's this, there's this childlike fearlessness, isn't there? And how quickly we move from being fearless to being fearful. And, and I say all that because I, I believe this year it will be a year for taking some risks. Of stepping out in faith. Now that might be for you personally. I certainly believe that is a year, a, a theme for us this year as a church. I believe that it's a year where we'll be stepping into some new things. But here's the encouragement, is that things in the kingdom are never really a risk, are they? As long as you remember that there's a faithful father who's standing ready to catch you. And he's saying, come on, come on. You don't want to just stay comfortable there. Come on, step into the adventure. It says in Corinthians, God has more for us. And we could ever imagine, could ever enter into the heart more than our eyes could ever see. But if you want to see more than your eyes have seen, you've got to go to places that you've never been before. It requires faith and it requires risk. So it's a, it's, it's a season of not being fearful of stepping out. Don't be fearful this year. Step out in faith and knowing that if God calls you to do it, he'll be right there waiting, ready to catch you. You can't fail in the kingdom when you're following the king of kings. And this is the fourth one. Of course, the end of the story. We've got to get there. We can't leave this open-ended. So he prophesies. And what happens as he prophesies? God invites him in and he participates in what is surely the most incredible miracle that his eyes have seen, as these bones become life, as the life a body, as the body is filled with life, and then the living bodies become this mighty army. 
And I want to give us this encouragement. You see, there is nothing passive about this story. And this is the God that we see all the way through Scripture. See, he doesn't invite Ezekiel just to be a spectator. He doesn't say, look, I want to show you something, Ezekiel. So you just you stand back. I got this one. I got this one. You watch from a distance. You just watch and see what I do. That was all the Lord, wasn't it? Let's be honest. This is not Ezekiel's own power. But as he prophesies and as he proclaims the word, he participates in this incredible miracle of God. You see, there are no spectators in the kingdom. There are not. And so I have this, this urgency in my heart to encourage us and to exhort us and where needed to give us a little loving push that this is not a year for spectating. See, I believe that there's an invitation to see what is not impossible become possible. But we've got to lift up our eyes. We've got to grab his perspective. We've got to recognize that nothing is too hard for him. We've got to trust in what he said in his word, not being afraid to take risks. But all of that is for nothing if we're not actually willing to step out of the boat. This is not a word or an encouragement for us to politely pat each other on the back and say, well, well done. Now let's sit back in the chairs and just enjoy the year. You know, there is, there is an urgency in my heart for us to recognize that the time is critical and the time is now. Do not be discouraged, but do not disengage. You see, the call to, to follow in Christ to Christian discipleship is a call to arms. We were born into a war. The battle lines have been drawn. It's a glorious war. It's not always easy. But God is calling us out to stand strong in his mighty power. Let me give you this word just as we bring this to a conclusion. Ephesians 6. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's scheme. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, standing firm with the belt of truth, with the breastplate of righteousness in place with your feet fit, feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace in addition to all this take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god and pray in the spirit in all occasions with all kind of prayers and requests now that's not a polite comfortable passage is it there's something in that passage that's a call to arms. It's a call to endure. It's a call. This is a word that keeps coming up in mind. It's a call to contend. It's not a season to just lay idly by. It's a season to grab a hold of what God is saying. The sword of the Spirit. And see, I love in this passage that God calls Ezekiel to preach, to proclaim. But he's proclaiming his words, isn't he? Like he's not just going up to the bones. He's not saying, well, let me tell you a few nice stories. There's nothing wrong with stories. I like stories. Now, let, let, let me give you just 10 tips to a better you. Let me give you some encouragement. He's proclaiming the word of God. 
He's received this word from God and he is declaring what God has told him as if it was. I want to remind you of the power of the word of God. The power of this word of God. Nothing can stand against it. It's time to take up your sword. And it's time to yield it, not just as comfortable encouragement that's so important, not just as bread, which it is, which it feeds us, but to wield this as the sword that it was designed to be for you. To tear down strongholds. We have been given authority. Matthew 28, Jesus came to his disciples. He says, all authority. How much authority? All authority. Every bit in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And he says, this is the authority that I give to you. Now go and make disciples. Go and proclaim the kingdom. See, this is a season for contending, for standing resolute, not a season to shrink back, but to step forward. In the natural, there are troubles, and I don't believe for a moment that the troubles are all going to cease and go away. I believe that the earth is on a collision course with all sorts of things that are not going to be pretty and nice. But this also is the church's finest hour to rise up, to believe in the God who can do anything, to lift up our eyes with perspective and see, to grab a hold, to step out, not be afraid to risk, and to contend for the things that God has given to us and prophesied over us. I believe that for you personally, but I certainly believe that for us as a church. And we'll talk about that more as we go on. Amen. Amen. So I just want to pray for us as we conclude. If you are in a place where you really feel this year as this year begins, that you need someone to stand with you in prayer. We have people, we have a prayer team, we have pastors and elders and board members who'd be more than happy to come and to pray with you, to bless you, and to release you into all that God has for you this year. But I, I, I want to just leave us with that thought. I know that there could be many things as a year begins that could be consuming our attention, that could be weighing us down. There's many valleys of dry bones, not just around us, but within us. But I'm so thankful that we serve a God of resurrection power. I'm so glad that we serve a God who proclaims nothing is impossible. So let's choose to put our trust in Him. And Father, just thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that it's new today. Thank you for all that this year will have for each one of us, for us as your people. And we just choose to fix our eyes upon you. We choose to trust in you and we choose to follow you wherever you may lead this year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.